praise the Lord. Thank you, Scott. Wonderful job. All Hadn't we been to church this morning already? Amen. Praise the Lord. Turn, if you would, to the fourth chapter of the book of John. We're going through John on Sunday morning. John chapter 4 is where we'll take up this morning, beginning in verse 1. I uh, was 19 years old. I was going to my first church. I served on, on my home church for uh, two years. Let me get this thing right here. I served at my home church for two years, but this was the first church I was going at in view of a call. I was in Marshall, ETBU, and I was going to Houston, Louisiana. Now, if you're from Houston, God love you. I, I, you know, don't take offense, but I tell you, the world stopped about four miles outside the city limits of Houston. But this old deacon had told me, these were the days, 1973, there was no cell phones, there was no GPSs or any of that stuff. Remember when we had to roll out the old road map, you know, and kind of figure out? And this deacon had told me, leave Marshall, get on I-20, go to downtown Shreveport, turn north, go up 71, and you'll come to Austin. And I had a map out, and I thought, well, the poor old soul doesn't know the shortest way there. So I decide I'm going out through 43 and cut over through Vivian and, and Austin. Well, I got over there Sunday morning and the bridge was out at Black Bayou. Uh, so I had to turn around. Old Deacon knew more than I thought he did. And I went north, went up to Atlanta and come back down. And then that afternoon, still one of my good friends, Charlie Giles was a postmaster. Uh, he said, uh, look, there's a shortcut uh, that you don't have to do any of that. And he told me how to do it. He said, you take this road here and go left and then go up to the fork and go right. And I got there that night and I thought, well, I don't need to go right. I, the left is where Texas is over here. The right's going up, you know, toward Texas County. So I take out in the right fork. I never did find that fork again, by the way. I wandered two hours. You know how dark it is in the black bayou uh, with those big trees? It was wet. I couldn't tell if water was over the road or not. After two hours of wandering around, I ended up in Falk, Arkansas. <laughs> How in the world? Uh, but anyway, I got on a main highway then and came home. If you don't take the right fork, you end up in a mess. This woman at the well comes to a place where she's got a fork in the road, and she can choose, just like each one of us, you can choose to go with the fork of Jesus, or you can choose to go with the fork of the world. But I want to tell you, if you go with the fork of the world, you're going to end up in a mess. May not happen today, may not be tomorrow, may not be next year, but sometime down the road, especially when this thing's over with and we're all caught up out of here, you're going to be in the wrong place. Beginning in verse 1, chapter 4, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. Now there are 30 scriptures that I'm going to read here. So if you get tired in the middle, just help yourself to sit down. It won't bother me at all. <clears throat> when therefore... The Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again unto Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the partial of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, set thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, about noon, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. 
for his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and to whom uh, thou now hast is not thy husband, in that saidst thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he'll tell us all these things. Jesus answered and saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot, went on her way into the city, and saith to the men, Come. See a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And then they went out of the city and came unto him. Father, thank you this morning for your precious word. May it speak to our hearts. You promised it would not return void. So I pray what has gone out will serve and accomplish the purpose that you intend for it to. And then, Lord, we ask you as we get ready to have an invitation time in just a moment. Father, may... Every spirit be bound in this place except the Holy Spirit. Lord, we have no room for anyone except you. Let your will be done in every life that's listening and those that are listening by television. Lord, speak to their hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When you normally say John 4, uh, everybody knows that's the woman at the well and there's a lot of sermons. I mean, you've heard 32 sermons about the woman at the well, uh, maybe more than that. But I want to give you a little different twist maybe this morning because I believe this story is more uh, than just about an immoral woman. I believe this story is more than just a woman that had five previous husbands and the sixth one she shacked up with. 
I believe it's more than the disciples worried about what they're going to eat for dinner or the city of Sychar. You see, I don't believe this woman is the star of John 4. I think she's a supporting actress. I believe the star of John chapter 4 is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I think if it hadn't been for Jesus there, it wouldn't, wouldn't have any meaning at all. Now, thankful this woman is here and, and God does a marvelous work in her. Our key scripture remembers we started John. is in John 20, verse 31. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. That's our theme all the way as we're preaching through the book of John. I want you to understand that Jesus comes seeking. He said, I must go to Samaria. He is seeking the lost. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his purpose in this life, to seek and to save the lost. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they hid themselves. God goes through the garden saying, Adam, where art thou? And he began that morning or the afternoon at that time, whatever time it was, he began what we call a search and rescue mission. And that was to search out the world for every lost person and bring them to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus is at the well here, he has grown in popularity. The first few verses of chapter four tell us that he began to have more disciples than John had. That upset some of John's people, didn't upset John. John said all along, I must decrease, he must increase. But, it, but they, they, they've grown and there's more people following him. You can mark it down when you begin to study about Jesus. When the crowd started coming in, Jesus would slip off to a remote place. You see, he wasn't interested in fame. He wasn't interested in popularity. They tried to make him the king, the physical king. They thought they were going to set it up like that. Jesus said, you don't know what you're doing. That's not what my job is. That's not what my task is. I've come to do the will of the Father. And so he's at that well there. He didn't come to be famous. He didn't come to have people throw their support behind him. Uh, Philippians 2, 5, it says this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And then it's where it really gets good. Wherefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every uh, knee should bow of things in heaven, of things on earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That was the task that he was given. And he goes on there, when he went there, what the, the geographical area there, there is uh, uh, Judea is in the south, and Galilee is in the north, and in between the two are Samaria. Now, the Jews did not like the Samaritans. Uh, they called them dogs. They didn't have anything to do with them. Most Jews would have taken and crossed the river, gone up north, and then gone into Galilee. But Jesus said, I've got to go through Samaria. I've got a purpose in Samaria. You see, 800 years before this has happened here, 
the Assyrians came in and took captured all of the uh, uh, Israelis. And they took the young men, the men that could work, and they made slaves out of them. And they left the outcast. They left the down and out there. And then the Assyrians began to come in, and they, they began to intermingle, and they married. And there's controversy even today. In that day, if a Jew married a Gentile, there was a funeral service for the Jew. That's how much you, you don't marry Gentiles. You don't intermingle like that. It, it was a funeral, and it's still a great deal of controversy today. The Samaritans even built a temple on Mount Gerizim where they, would, uh, where they could worship because they didn't want to, uh, to, they were not allowed to be in the other temples uh, that the Israelis worshiped into. Now, why did he go? Verse 4 said he must needs go through Samaria. I've got a purpose. I've got a need. There's something there in Samaria. He went there to save a sin-sick soul. He knew that woman would be there at that well, and that's exactly why Jesus went through Samaria, to save a sin-sick woman, an immoral woman. Matthew 16, 21, he says, from that time forward, Jesus began to show his disciples how he has to go to Jerusalem. And many things of the elders and chief priests are going to be suffered and scribes and killed. And then he's going to be raised again on the third day. The disciples were out feeding their physical need while Jesus was feeding their spiritual need. And they said, look, Master, you've got to eat. And he said, I, I got food you don't know anything about. Now read chapter 4 when you get home. It's good. Don't do it now. Stay with me. But when you get home, read that there. It's a tremendous uh, chapter in the Word of God. Now here's the thing. When he's saying to do the will of the Father and finish his work, what he's saying here is, when I save this woman from her sin, I'm finishing the work that the Father called me to do. That's what Jesus called me to do. And it's the same word finish in John chapter 4 as it is in John chapter 19 when Jesus was hanging on the cross. He received the vinegar and he said, it is finished. And he gave up the ghost and died. That's the same word finish. He is finishing his complete work that the Father has for him. He loves sinners. Oh, how he loves sinners. He came to seek and to save those that were lost. I wonder if this morning if we've not forgotten that how to really love sinners. I mean, I know this is a loving church. Man, if you, if you join this church, people treat you like kings and queens. They're wonderful. But I think maybe sometimes we've become so old home week that we've forgotten that there's a lost and dying world out here that need Jesus. And the purpose that we have after being saved, you say, well, I got saved so I could go to heaven. No, you didn't. If, you got, if that was the purpose for you to be saved, you would have gone on and gone to heaven the moment you got saved. You didn't get saved to go to heaven. That's one of the byproducts of it. You got saved to be a living light for the Lord Jesus Christ here on this earth now, right now, at this time. Now let me look at that sinful woman just for a moment. We're almost through. Short message today. We're going to have a big offering here in a little while. It may take an hour and a half to do that offering. So I'm, I'm going to make sure that we have get, get plenty of time to do that. Amen? There's a woman at the well, and she comes to the well, and Jesus initiates the conversation. Now, if you're my age, maybe even a little younger, uh, but especially if you're older than me, you know that proper etiquette never 
does a girl call a boy? Hmm? Your daddy's got, got daughters? You said, uh-uh, you ain't calling the boy. The boy has to call you, all right? Now, that's exactly what Jesus is doing. Jesus is the groom, and he's calling the bride. He's calling the bride out. He's getting his bride ready. He's initiating the conversation with this woman. And that's what uh, he does as the groom. He would seek out the bride. Jesus always initiates. You didn't come looking for him. He came looking for you. You didn't get up one morning and say, well, I think I'll be saved today. No, the Holy Spirit had to draw you or you couldn't even be saved. We're hearing so much today about tearing down walls and people crying and, and, uh, and, and you pray for our area. We've got pastors meeting with officials and we're doing everything we can uh, to make sure that Greg, Harrison County move forward in a, in a godly way. And I've been in a lot of these meetings over the last years and, and uh, I, I don't want to be ugly here, but some of us need to be reminded that when we got saved, we died to ourselves. I've never seen a guy in a casket make a move. I, I, I love preaching funerals. They never say, I don't like that. <laughs> I've never had one of them set up yet and say, well, wait a minute. You know, you, what you're saying is not all true. You know why? They're dead. We're dead. If we become saved, we're dead. And I have no right to go around all the time telling people, well, I want this, I want this, this is for me, I feel like this. Get over your feelings, man. Get in the word of God and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus tore down barriers. He, did, he wasn't interested in the popularity. He wasn't interested in what was politically correct. It's all right to protest. It's all right to stand for what's right. We ought to be doing that. But I tell you, when you start violating the law and you're burning buildings down and you're blowing cars up, that has no place, no place in a Christian's life. None whatsoever. You call it whatever you want to. That has no place. He breaks down, first of all, a social barrier. She said, how can you ask me being a Samaritan woman? <laughs> well, I'll tell you how he asked her. He was more interested in being a savior than he was politically correct. Oh, that we could get to some of that point right now. That our hearts would burn. There are people, these people who are throwing all these rocks and bricks and all this mess, you, you think they love Jesus? No. They're living in sin. They're living in darkness. And then what hurts even more so is when some of us Christians lose our attitude and anger and we want to throw a brick back. That's not from God. He broke down the social barrier. How can he do that? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So he broke down the social barrier. He broke down a moral barrier. She done had five husbands living with the sixth one. She's a social outcast. That's why she came to the fountain, uh, the, to the well at noon. She came there because none of the women wanted her in the morning early when they went, and I'm sure she didn't want to be around them either. That's one of the things, you know, sometimes if we're not careful, people say, well, I don't want to go to that church. I know some people there. Well, yeah, I know them too. I know myself. None of us are righteous. No, not one. 
The only thing we got this morning to brag about is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. There's nothing else. You say, yeah, but we did. Throw we away. The very kind of people that we try to avoid is the very people Jesus wants to reach. <laughs> you say, well, they don't act right. They don't talk right. I'm old enough. I've been around here long enough. I'll be honest with you. I'd rather talk with somebody that just got saved that don't know a lick about theology, don't know a lick about the Bible, still talking maybe in some coarse words, that I would sit down and talk to a theologian that's been in the Word of God 30 years, thinks he knows everything. They don't act right. They're not living right. They don't behave. They don't talk right. They don't dress right. Their bodies are filled with piercings. The very people that many try to avoid are the very people that Jesus wants to reach. He broke down the social barriers. He broke down the moral barriers. He broke down the racial barriers. She's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. You don't talk. They don't talk to each other. They can't stand each other. They, they hate each other. I was thinking last night, I had never heard this before, but I guess I think I'm right. Jesus was only half Jew. Huh? On his mama's side he was, but on his daddy's side, he was every tongue and tribe and generation that ever was. He was God. So she's talking to a half Jew here. <laughs> uh, don't, don't repeat that, but... I'm, uh, I, I'm thankful that the Lord didn't name one race only because it may not have been my race and I may be left out. I'm thankful salvation is not just for one group, but it's for everyone who will come to Christ. I'm thankful for that. Jesus goes for the outcast. She says, if you knew who I am, you wouldn't even ask me for water. And Jesus said, if you knew who I am, You'd be asking me for water, living water, drink from it. You won't need a pot anymore. You, you, you'll have a well springing up inside of you. Now, here's a couple of exciting things. Number one, when, when she went to go tell the folks, and I don't know why she's had five husbands, why she's living with the six, I would venture to say I would think probably she's like a lot of people today that was trying to fill up a void that was inside their heart. And they'll use drugs, they'll use alcohol, they'll use sex, they'll use children, they'll use sports, they'll use hobbies, they'll use jobs. They're trying to climb the ladder, anything to try to fill that void up. But there's no way to fill that void up apart from Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can fill that void up. But I love it, the Bible makes note of it, that she left her water pot you know why? Because when you come to Jesus, you can leave the old stuff behind. He's more interested in your future than he is in your past. Now, there's a time of repentance. Don't listen to me. Don't you think I'm just preaching cheap salvation? I'm not. But I'm just telling you, when you repent of your sin and you do it God's way and you know that you're a sinner 
and that you've confessed that sin to him and you've invited him to be Lord and Savior you believe he's the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says thou shalt be saved. It's not based on your feelings. It's not based on your emotions. It's based on the word of God. And this will never change. It's not going to change here on earth and it's not going to change here in heaven. It's the same forever. She leaves that water pot and runs to the village. <laughs> She's got this water that's satisfying her thirst and cleansing her sin and purifying. That only happens through Jesus Christ. Amen. It's an old Methodist preacher sat down at the piano and he wrote these words. Like the woman at the well, I was searching for things I could not satisfy. And then I heard my Savior speaking, draw from my well that never shall run dry. While we're going today is a day of giving, and I haven't had one or two, I've had 10 or 12. Say, preacher, you know, we're in COVID. You know, things are not good. People have lost jobs. Things are down. Businesses are closed. You can't keep going to the well, preacher. You've pushed us. And I just simply reply, it depends on which well you go to. If you go into the well that you dug, you're going to run dry. But if you go into the well of living water, his supplies never end. He is all sufficient. That song goes on to say there are millions in this world who are seeking for pleasures earthly goods afford but none can match the wondrous treasure that I find in Jesus Christ, my Lord. So my brother, if the things this world gives you leave hungers that won't pass away, my blessed Lord will come and save you if you'll kneel to him and humbly pray. Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. If you're drinking from that, that water from the well, you're going to have to keep coming back. But if you're drinking from the water of his well, it continues to flow and just continually flow from you. She said, I'd like to have some of that water. I love it. I love this is another thing. You know, I don't know that it happened like this, but you don't know that it didn't. I'm the one preaching, so I'm going to say it did. I'm thankful when she said, I want that water. I'm thankful that Jesus didn't say, well, let me tell you, lady, you're an immoral, no good, two-timing wretch. You clean your act up, and then maybe we'll talk about it. He didn't say that. No, his love just, he just poured on some more love. See, you can't clean the fish until you get them in the boat. You fishermen, you don't dive in there and, clean the fish down under the boat and then put it on the hook. That's crazy. You get it in the boat and then you clean it. Listen, I'm telling you, some of you are sitting here this morning saying, Preacher, I'd come, but I got this in my life and I got this in my life. You'll never come when you're saying that. I'm telling you, come to Jesus like you are and he'll take care of the rest. Based on the word of God, he'll take care of the rest. There's four basic categories of people in this auditorium this morning. One of them is those who think they're saved, but they're not saved. Matthew 7, 
verifies that. Jesus said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. I didn't say that. That's what the Word of God says. Are you doing the will of the Father in heaven? Because, see, I'm just telling you, according to this verse, if you're not, you need to check your salvation. Because everybody wants to be saved. I, I don't, there's maybe been one time in my life when I talked with somebody that said they were looking forward to going to hell. And then I saw it on a poster here last week, one of the rioters had. I'm looking forward to hell. I thought, well, bless God. Mm hmm. There's a lot of folk who think they're saved, but they're not. And then there are those that we think they're saved, but they're not. <laughs> I think when we get to heaven, we're going to find out a lot of people up there we didn't think would be there. Mm. And I think probably there are going to be a lot of people we thought would be there that are not there. Mm. And then there are those who are saved but don't act like it. You say, preacher, can you be saved and not act like it? Oh, yeah, it's called backsliding. Mm-hmm. I, uh, we kind of forget who our master is, don't we? I got a little dog, Roger. He's been with us, I don't know, 12, 13 years, something like that. And I'm the master. Now, that dog ain't going to tell me what to do. I tell that dog what to do. I'm the master, and the dog knows that. I was studying Saturday night, always going to my office. I leave the door cracked because he'll sit there and paw at the door if I don't. But he'll come out of the living room. He'll come look at me, and then he'll go back and get in his bed in the living room. In about 10 minutes, he'll get up, and he'll come look at me. Then he'll go back. And about the third time, he'll come and, stand in my chair and he wants to lick my hand because he knows I'm the master. I'm going to take care of him. Let me tell you, that dog had brisket yesterday with some fried chicken. <laughs> I'm going to take care of that dog. Yeah. <laughs> could, I, could I tell you this morning, our master takes care of us. He takes care of us. And then there's that group who are saved and they actually act like it. Mm. Don't you want to be a part of that group? Every one of us fall. Every one of us slip. But I praise God he's there to pick us up and to carry us on. If we're going to make a difference in this world today, we're going to have to start living like Jesus is real. When we come and worship and shout and praise the Lord and then leave here and cuss like a sailor, we've told everybody, hey, there ain't nothing to that. There ain't none of that. We've got to live like he's real. And I'll tell you, friend, he is real. You're at that crossroad. I'm telling you, you need to go with Jesus. But you've got an option. You can go with the world. But you're going to end up in a worse place in Falk, Arkansas. Trust me. Bow your head, please. Father, thank you this morning. You've been so good to us as a church. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, would you speak to our hearts? God, we, we say that people are important to us, and yet 
our eyes are dry. We don't come to the altar. We don't pray. We're not witnessing. Oh, God, I'm, I'm talking about every one of us in this building. Lord, move in his place. And God, speak to us like we've never been spoken to before. Lord, we're claiming victory. We need a miracle this morning financially. Lord, it's, it's beyond what I can do or what anybody in here can do. But it's not beyond what you can do. But more than the physical miracles of finances, Lord, there are folk in this building right now that they need a spiritual miracle. They need to own up that they're not saved and that they need Jesus. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to let your Holy Spirit have control. We'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?